Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Kitchings, and welcome to the History Voyager. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. I'm here right now with Andrew Oram, and we're going to talk about basically poverty in at least your section of America. Um, so tell me, uh, you told me, but tell me where you live exactly. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. So, and you work in, what job was it? Uh, social services, something like that? Yeah, I I worked for, um, child protective services in the Midwest, uh, for about, altogether I did social work for about three years. Okay, so, okay, before we dive in, talk about, um, I guess, tell me about without telling me if you don't want to tell me the name of your town, I totally get that. But tell me, describe your area. Like what do you see every day? What, what's the, what's the thing you, um, what, what, what is something you would want people to know about your area just to dive in? First of all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I live in a, I live in a, I mean, I live in a, Let's say I live in Evansville in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a city, um, but it still kind of has a small town vibe to it. Um, not near as big as Indianapolis, but um, mm-hmm. it's still a city. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you had told me earlier that there's a lot of uh, uh, drug abuse and maybe... Yes, Maybe. yeah. Evan, Evansville for a while was one of the the meth capitals of the United States. Um, wow. Yes. <clears throat> and that uh, drug issue still kind of proceeds the day. It just changes a little bit. I know, you know, now um, fentanyl is getting into hair, is getting into people's heroin a lot, um, and causing a lot of overdose lately. So maybe moved yeah. away from meth, but you know, there's always been a pretty consistent drug problem here in this area mm-hmm. at least for as long as you've been aware i mean yeah yeah as long as as long as i've been aware so um, yeah yeah you know, since probably my early 20s and up you know i've been aware of it so and you'd say you'd say you're maybe in the mid 30s or uh yeah i'd say my early 30s okay well because i mean it strikes me that you know this is a history podcast primarily well whatever and it strikes me that maybe somebody older than you like somebody your parents age right right might might say it wasn't always like this okay yeah but at least since since you've been aware it's always been like this yeah it's Um, always been like this since i've been aware yeah yeah so um so when you're in child protective services um when you're working in child protective services go through your typical first of all is your typical day what you'd call uh an interdiction with a family or what is your typical day well let me kind of i guess back up just a hair and let me kind of explain the the structure of how um the child service agency i worked for 
did things. So there were two sides to it. There was mm-hmm. the ongoing side, um, which would be case managers who actively manage child service cases that have been opened. Um, okay. And then there was the assessment side, which would be the people that go to the house, assess. Um, those would be the people that would remove a child if that would be needed. Um, and then handle the initial court work and get everything rolling. And then they would hand it off to the ongoing side where the case would be managed and um, finished eventually. Okay. What, what does, okay. What does managing, I'm um, managing, I'm inventing words. What does <laughs> man, what does, what does, hang on. What does managing and finishing mean? So uh, over the course of a case, if, when you're managing it, you would, you're the one in charge of putting services in place to best help the family, um, whether that's a drug problem, whether that's a, uh, there's uh, domestic violence in the home, whether it's neglect of the child because maybe a lack of knowing how to take care of a small child or, um, you know, also, you know, there's sexual abuse and actual physical abuse that's intentional that we also deal with, but you would put services in the home to assist with that. You'd also, if the child was removed from the home, you would also manage the visitations between the parents and the child. And that a lot of times happens in a third party location. If they're in foster care, Um, sometimes it can happen in the parent's home. It just depends on the situation. There's a lot of, a lot of variables. Yeah. Um, Would you, would you, 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 we talked earlier and you had, uh, it struck me hard that you had a window into poverty in this country that maybe a lot of people don't have. Um, would you mind talking about that? Yeah, definitely. And, and while I'm now I'm in the medical field, um, or the healthcare field, I guess. So, um, you know, but I'm still really thankful for my time that I had in, child services and social work it was eye-opening because especially you know you hear on tv a lot um you know everything's politicized now and um, you hear these politicians talk about you know what the lower class and what you know what all the minorities and what all these you know all these groups that they frame as you know struggling Mm -hmm. Um, t- talk about what they needed, what they need help with, and what, this is what we should do for them. And um, while some of it's right, I think that a lot of these politicians definitely just haven't had the window. Like they haven't been the boots on the ground working with these families, seeing the struggles. And I'm really thankful that I've had that opportunity to really see what the, you know, quotations lower class lives like, and and what the struggles that people go through on a regular basis are. And, why these issues are a lot more complex than like, oh, just go get a job or, you know, whatever you want to slap a Band-Aid over it or this, that or the other. There, these issues are a lot more complex and there's real things that we we would need to change to to help these people out, I think. Well, before we get into the changes, what what the real changes should be, because I, I do want to get into that. Believe me, I do. Right. Um. I want you to talk about, tell my listeners what you see on the ground. 
Um, yeah, so it's hard. So you, you just see family struggling. Like, you just see people struggling. Um, yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, financially or whatever, but it's tough when someone has, like, five kids and, you know, childcare is is outrageous. I mean, right. you know, I mean, it's $1,000 a month for, like, one kid some places. I mean, it's just outrageous prices. So, you know, it's cheaper for someone to not work and receive government benefits mm. than to pay for childcare because you, you just can't pay for childcare for five kids unless you're working full time at a job that has really, you know, good way, good wages. And a lot of these people may or may not have graduated from high school, um, probably no college education. So, mm. you know, the jobs that are available for them, the wages aren't high enough for, you know, them to even send their kids to daycare during the day. You know, you mm-hmm. see people struggling with that. You see people struggling with um, just drug abuse in the home. That's a rough one. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do really believe that uh, I think addiction is a disease. Um, it, I think that mm-hmm. through using these drugs, it, it really changes the the chemistry of what you got going on upstairs. And people struggle with it. And it's it's an ugly <clears throat> it's an ugly thing to watch um, to watch these people go through it. And you see a lot of that. You know, especially in the area that I live in, and and I'm sure that's different from here to there, but um, you know, those those are two of the uh, two of the big things that you see that people really struggle with. I think is just you know being able to like financially afford their family, and um, you know falling into yeah. pitfalls of drug and crime and all those things. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean. Because I, I think a lot, a lot of these people really, really are good people and want to do good, but mm. it's they just it's like they're not sure how, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get that. Like I, I mean, to me, like I, I, just in talking to people and also things I've done in my life. Not as much as you have, but I've seen a side to America that I think a lot of people, not just politicians, but people, don't really understand. Like, you know, you you can get, like you, you were talking about earlier, like it's not as simple as just getting a job. Well, that's right. I mean, there's jobs out there that it really doesn't pay to have. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I mean, when you think about some of these jobs, like they call them, I guess, front facing jobs or so where you have to face the public. Some people are still of the mindset that you have to dress up to do that. Well, I mean, if you're only making 24,000 or whatever, you know. Yeah, I guess that it depends on where you live. You know, twenty four thousand either goes nowhere or stretches a little bit. Well, around here it would go nowhere, <laughs> but and there's a whole lot of jobs. There's a whole lot of jobs that pay around twenty four to thirty thousand. There's a whole lot. Yeah, and um, yeah, like a, a huge. I forget the percentage. 
I might have said it on my podcast, but there's a huge number of people. There's a huge percentage of people in my county that live in a hotel. Like, I forget the percentage, but it's insane. Which is why, like, when you go down the road, you see all these, like, you know, um, extended stay hotels. Like, just mile after mile in some cases. And that's why. (laughs) That's wild. It is. It is. Um, Do you see that? Like, do you you have to go to hotels for your job and like that? Uh, No, very rarely. Very rarely would you go to hotels. But, I mean, you go to houses that are million-dollar houses, and you go to houses that um, technically have no owner and are abandoned, but people are living there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you see all sides. Uh, it's it's a uh, problem in the home is not exclusive to the poor. And I think that's right. an important point. Yeah. No, I, I think that is, too. Um, um, I mean, you know, you we, we've seen their kids in foster care that come from wealthy families, middle class families and poor families. And while it is disproportionately poor families, um, mm-hmm. you know, but the, you know, there's more problems. There's more problems there. And um and it's hard on parents going through all that. But um, what we haven't ha- highlighted yet is, is, the, is how tough it is on the kids to get involved in this system and what well, okay. their life up for. But I, I think that's the biggest travesty in it all. Well, you, this is essentially I want this to be your show. So you highlight it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess I mean, yeah, go, um, go to it. Just uh, just, you know. Just some quick statistics I looked up from the from just the Department of Human Services. So in 2018, it was estimated that about 700,000 kids spent some time in the foster care system. Now this uh, is okay. Hold on, pause. This is for the United States, or is this for Indiana? You still there? Oh yeah, I am. I should probably look that up. I should have fact checked that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was for. Uh, that sounds like the United States. Yeah, um, that's but, the no, yeah, that's the the Department of Human Services for the for the country, like the Department okay. of Human Services. All right, okay, that's a lot, but okay. So seven hundred thousand people spent some time in foster care. Children spent yeah. some time in foster care. All right, keep going. That's a lot. That's a lot of kids. No, so, it is. I'm, I wasn't trying to minimize that. I just wanted to no, get. No, you're good. I just wanted to get specific. And if I'm wrong, I apologize, but yeah. either way, there's there's a lot of kids. So this affects a lot of kids. Right. Um, and the, the travesty of it all is we get these kids that are in these bad situations and they, you know, the they don't have good role models. They don't have a lot of times in these poor areas, they don't have good education systems. They don't have a lot of good other structures in place that maybe a kid struggling in a wealthier family would have available to them. Um, and I'm not sure if you've ever heard of like the school to prison pipeline I have actually yes Um, yeah basically it's just you know all these kids in school they're labeled as bad they're you know their third grade teachers tell their fourth grade teachers like hey this kid's a lot of trouble and you know they get labeled as trouble they get less help they don't get the extra attention resources they need. Mm. They get less of it. Mm. And it pretty much, you know, shoes these kids 
straight from the school right into the prison system or the juvenile system. Um, because and that's because, from a lot of go ahead. Because what what happens is the kid. Yeah, no, I was just say like what happens is like if you're say like you're in the second grade and you act out, right? And your teacher or the teacher doesn't want to take the extra time or can't take the extra time or whatever, right? And so right. what what ends what ends up happening? And then eventually what happens is because you for whatever reason the path at some point the pathways in your brain shut off so at some point like you literally can't learn new skills right which happens earlier with younger people that have this problem right so like if, if you know so you can't enter the workforce you know at a good enough place or whatever so what do you do you end up robbing from people or you end up you know on the other side of the legal situation the exactly. legal system so yeah i mean because that, that's what you've learned you know um you know kids get in trouble more school, school suspensions right. are going up you know kids are so kids are out right. of school and they already have maybe they're not not a lot of supervision at home so now they have more time to get into trouble during the day while they're not in school being supervised or being fed yeah. or any of these other things um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, there's more policing in schools now. Um, public right. schools just underfunded. You know, there's a lot of there's just so many issues that that go into um, the problems that kids have. You know, minus yeah. like if they're getting beat at home, like Jesus. Right. Like how do you how do you expect these people? How do you expect these kids to succeed if that's the world they live in every day? And I think the thing that we're not saying is that it's not like there's a factory for a lot of these kids. It's not like there's a factory they can go to. It's not like, like you have to, you have to go to school. Right. Right. Like, and the other problem that I've noticed is that we have this shortage of trade workers because what our education system did was glorify uh, college, basically. And de so desk jobs. Right, desk jobs. And so what you, you have a shortage of trade workers, a shortage in the trades. Um, I actually have a friend that worked in HR uh, somewhere in the world. And he had a hilarious story about how he knew he got a new he knew that his boss got a new boss because he'd get an email saying we need to hire a welder. And there was no welders for him to hire. Wow. <laughs> there were literally and, you know, but that's how he could tell that his boss got a new boss because he'd get this email saying we need a welder. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like there there's no welder to hire they, that's wild welders welders do well too well and to be fair like and that's the story is that's the funny story is i can i could go to the home depot and i could get a welder i could get a welder in 10 minutes the problem is that for my job they have to be what's the term i want to use here 
like they have to be American citizens or they have to have a green card or or whatever for different insurance reasons. Right. Right. And so I, I don't want to bore you with the story, but no, it actually it, it was it was hysterical. The story that he had. But um, anyway, so, yeah. Um, so what are some other we talked about the school to prison pipeline? Um, do you know what the homelessness population is in your area Hmm, i don't know i don't know what the the stat would be on that does it to the naked eye does it look it's noticeable it's noticeable when you drive around in in some areas yeah yeah Uh, uh, yeah and i know yeah i know our homeless shelters are you know our they get filled a lot of times. I know that um, there's a lot of shelters that only have so many beds every night to sleep people. And then you can only check in after dark until morning yeah. at these places. Uh, and they're often feel, filled every night. So, Yeah. yeah. Home, homelessness isn't, isn't a huge, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's not like L.A. I know L.A. has a huge homeless problem. Um, oh, yeah, I read that statistic. It was insane. Yeah, and it seems like they're like uh, letting them say they're you know they can set up their box on the sidewalk and they, uh, no one can tell them to move now or something. Oh, wild! Wow, they have a whole different slew of issues out there than we have over here. You know what I mean? It's weird, and we're in the same country. That's side note. Yeah, I had a guest. I don't remember if I posted it or not. But I had a guest that went through that. Like, he went through the legal, like, like legally I can put a tent in a park, but I can't, and I can park a car, but I can't sleep in a car that isn't parked in a space designed for the car to be parked or something like that. Not that he was homeless, <laughs> but he went right. over the laws about it, and you're just like, you listen to this, and you're like, did the people who invent who wrote these laws did they understand what they were doing when they did it? Uh, you know that's the question I have. That's a good question. But, <laughs> right. I, I will say one one thing that we could do to bring this back to kids a little bit. Um, yeah. To reduce homelessness is, you know, there are kids that age out of the system. Once a kid turns eighteen, any, you know, child service organization no longer works with them they can refer them to other social services but they're an adult so they're hands off at that point and um yeah. you know i i remember i mean i've been called to a house where two siblings were just abandoned um by their parents their parents up and moved to somewhere else and one was 19 and one was 17 and you pretty much had to tell the 19 year old like I, I hope you have someone to stay with like you know, here's information on how to use METS, which is the like the uh, bus system here. I mean, um, you know, so wow. you, you get a, you get a team that that just gets abandoned like that. Like, um, if they're not not to not to blame our high school systems because you know there's a lot of things that go into that. But if if we were a little bit more well educated on how to be a person by the time we got out of high school, um, they could succeed. But you know, even if this kid you know wanted to go get a job like you have to have a permanent address for a lot of things to get like a driver's license you know you have to have a permanent address 
um, unless he has someone to stay with. And then that person lets them stay there long enough to get something mailed there. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it just, it's, uh, it's hard. It's really hard. And we just blame people for being homeless or being hooligans for no reason. But, you know, there's a lot of tough situations out there that add to these problems that we could, you know, we could work on and, and do better at preventing. Right. Right. And before we get into what you want to do, because I, I honestly, I do want to get into that. I know, I know, I know. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to keep taking it there, just to, you know. Yeah. Um. No, no, no. Because we are going to go there. I mean, <laughs> um, because I have ideas. I, being, I can't wait to hear them. Being that I've talked to so many people all across the world, um, I have ideas actually that i would love to see okay um yeah um well heck let's get into that okay here's what i think we need let me let's hear i talk i talk to a lawyer (laughs) and i (laughs) shout i shout this lawyer out i swear to god i'm going to talk to a particle physicist and shout this out while the particle physicist is on the podcast i swear to god um, she gave me a statistic that was insane. Uh, 34 vacant structures per homeless person. Okay. Okay. And she taught, and that was before the pandemic. That was pre pandemic situations. Um, we, so the state of Indiana kicks out more people in a year than Europe does in a decade. Okay. Than the entirety of Europe does in a decade. And that's before the pandemic. Okay. After, during the Obama administration. So during, in the aftermath of the 2008 crash. During the Obama administration. There was a set of laws put in place. That essentially decoupled, the effect of these laws. Was essentially to decouple. Um, the rent in a given community from the uh, housing market, from the law of okay. supply and demand, basically. So the, you're decoupling the rent in a in what we call five over ones. Do you know what a five over one is? Um, I'm not sure I do. A five over one is you can build up to five floors out of wood, out of stick built structure, and okay. the one is the parking garage. So that's why there's a lot of five over ones now is because they're subsidized to essentially they're de-incentivized to rent to humans. Because what you want to do is you want to build this five over one and then you want to say to the government, well, bless my heart. I can't find anybody. Okay. Well, the reason you, the reason you can't find anybody to live there is because your rent is $2,000 or whatever. Okay, so here's what I would do. And again, this isn't like, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that there are people in this country that are like super conservative that want the free market to reign and blah, blah, blah. So here's what I would do. Okay. I would recouple housing with the law of supply and demand. Okay, so I would say, okay, if you're going to build this apartment, good for you. 
but we're no longer going to give you money if you can't get anybody to live in there. Okay. So you have to adjust your rents down. You just do. Right. Number one. Number two, I would take, I would retool high school. I would, because high school was created to do what college does now. Public high school was created to do what college does now. So I would retool high school. Definitely. Okay. Uh, you know, high school was built, modern high school is built for what we call the Harvard method of education, which is to get people into and out of liberal arts colleges. Well, okay. I would recup, I would retool high school somehow. I don't, I don't exactly know how, but somehow, number one. Number yes. two, we need to have an honest conversation in this country. Honest, real conversation in this country. There is a massive industry in this country that is dying. It's absolutely dying. It's, it's a super critical industry, and it's not thought of it as an industry, but it is. It's called college. Liberal arts college is dying. We need to f- figure out how to move forward without it. I don't know how. I, you know, maybe go back to the guild system, like Ooh, they had in should, Europe. You think it? You think it should die? That's interesting. No, I don't think it should die. I think we oh, need to oh, have it. Oh. Dis- I think we need to have a discussion about how oh. it is dying. I understand. Okay, <laughs> we, I hear it. I hear you. Need to tell people. This is happening. You you know, I'm on academic Twitter. I see people, I see professors tweeting things about how they have to live in their car. It, you know, we need to be honest with people, really honest with people about what pays and what doesn't. <laughs> That's true. No, I, I, you I, know, I think there's something in that. <laughs> we, we honestly do. Number, whatever number I am, I'm on three, four, five, whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the next number, the next thing I would say is, um, I would say if you want to have a $7 and 50 cent minimum wage or a $10 minimum wage or $15 minimum, whatever, the lower that minimum wage is the more likely somebody's going to be doing something else so they can eat. Right? Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I'm right okay. There with you. Okay. So whatever you want that minimum wage to be, just bear that in mind. And I, look, I live in a state where once you get outside of Metro Atlanta, you've got cities that are dying. Okay. You've got cities that are dying. So I don't know that $15 an hour for, you know, a burger joint or whatever, whatever $15 an hour job you, you think that that exists, right? right? I don't know that a town could could sustain that. I honestly don't know. Right? Um Yeah. But, you know, that's just some of what I think we ought to do. What do you think we ought to do? <laughs> Man, first, I, I I can't be with you enough on retooling the education system. Man, that is that is my number one thing I feel like would impact uh, this and so many other issues here in America. Um, 
man, I just don't understand why we don't just heavily invest in the education of our future and even our current, you know? I mean, <clears throat> I do, but let me let you talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, you know, I think, uh, you know, school, if we're going to continue the world that we're in, then high school specifically and even middle school needs to prepare kids how to do the skills they need to do when they graduate. Like what does it take to go get a, like a driver's license? You know, what does it take to buy a house, you know, rent an apartment? What papers do you need? How do you get these papers? You know, like teaching like life skills, like a real life skills class, how they used to teach like computer skills or typing back when, you know, like my mom remembers going to school in in high school and, or maybe in college and taking a typing course, like, who needs that now? Like we all have laptops, but but the point is, is to teach, you know, realistic skills in high school, like, you know, teach about what debt is and how it accumulates and how to pay it off and, you know, what the real cost of debt is, um, how, you know, talk about what a credit score is, like things like that, like even kids that wouldn't be like in danger of, um, you know, coming from lower class families like that information would benefit everybody. And I think that's important that, you know, we're all getting benefit out of some of these changes. Um, and I also think that we need to I also feel pretty strongly that I think we need to radically change the sexual education in this country um, mm. while in schools as well. I think that you don't need to shy away from it. I mean, and, and teen pregnancy rates have dropped over the years, um, which is good. Um, cause there's more information out there, but I think, um, that sex ed should just be a real straightforward class. I think you need to use, you know, anatomical terms with kids, with high schoolers, you know, or whenever was, you want to teach it. I mean, honestly, I think we, we got it taught in like fifth grade. I mean, I think I was, that you can't was, shy away from body parts. That's, that's what they are. Yeah. And the, I think the more flat and honest you are. Yeah. With labeling these and all that, you know, the less likely kids are to have, you know, special playtime with, you know, their creepy uncle. You know what I mean? Like, because well, right. they know what this is. Like, it, it's just it's healthy that we all destigmatize um, and normalize, you know, these terms. I think it just yeah. has a lot of benefits um, and just the education of, you know, contraception and things like that could also cut down on, you know, any uh, unwanted or accidental pregnancies and cut down on medical costs, you know, especially if these people, if someone gets pregnant that doesn't have insurance, like, you know, I know everyone right. wants to relate it back to saving money and you implement some of these changes in school and, um, we're, uh, we're a more powerful country and, you know, we're, we're better educated and we're better paid because we, you know, maybe we get trade schools paid for or something, you know, free two year degrees would really change a lot too, but. I'd, I'd be all for bringing back the guild system somehow. I mean, you know, I'm of the I'm of the persuasion that running things through the government might not be the best idea in this country just because you have people that are super conservative that look around in their world and say, look, I'm a Dr. Pepper delivery man. Why can't he go be a Dr. Pepper delivery man? Why do I have to pay for it? You know, why do my taxes have to pay for it? Blah, right. blah, blah. You know, and you can argue with this person until you're blue in the face, but you're not going to solve the problem. 
Right. But, but I do think you like know? conversations like we're having a day, like and letting people peer behind that veil a little bit, um, you know, right. on what happens to, to, you know, what really happens and goes on is important. Um, I think exactly. you know, we're all ju- we're all just people, you know, no matter where we're yeah. from. And we all have a human experience. And I think if people just talk to the other side and see the other side a little bit, people would be a little bit more compassionate. And I, I'm, I think compassion's a a very important thing that we can't lose. Oh, I agree with you. And I, one of the things that I learned because I did this pod, because I do this podcast about COVID and, you know, the Spanish flu and all is there's just a lot of people in this country that I think Joseph Stalin had the statistic or had the quote, one death is a tragedy, you know, a million deaths is a statistic. Well, I would argue that 600,000 deaths is a statistic. Definitely. You know, honestly, like, yeah right i mean if if 600,000 people drop dead from any other cause it would be a national tragedy or if we had a war and you had 600,000 dead from a war or oh god whatever you know like but you know but see i'm i'm past i'm past i want to get past relying on congress because i don't think any of this you know what i'm saying oh absolutely they're i mean look yeah the, right. the democrats complained for four years now we now they have complete control and what's got right. done like well, oh they're all useless yeah and I, to me that's that's the thing i was thinking the other day or was it this morning i can't remember but there was a thought i had either this morning or yesterday it was like you know it's 2020 it's halfway through 2021 um that means that people born in 1991 are 30 years old okay so i've studied american politics a heck of a lot and so 30 is about the youth vote in this country okay you know there's yeah there's a couple of except there's some very notable exceptions but by and large 30 is the the youth vote, the start of the youth vote in this country. Okay. Right. Um, you're going to have thir- you're going to have people walking up to a ballot box for the first time that don't remember the Congress functioning. That don't remember bipartisan functioning. Right. <sighs> I mean, okay. LBJ's war on poverty was, in the 60s which jesus that was what uh i'm looking at my years ago yeah yeah yeah. right exactly 60 50 something years ago so you're gonna have 30 year old you're gonna have first time voters that don't remember what a functioning congress was like just saying which (laughs) i one thing i've been very passionate about lately is which why which is why term limits is something we must do in this country. And I feel very strongly about it. You know, everybody talks about yeah. it. If you interview anyone that's in power, they agree with it. They could get it done today, but, but they no one gets it done. But they don't do it. Uh, right. Exactly. Right. And, and I right. think that people need to be more aware and more conscious of, and push for the importance of term limits. I wonder because our founding fathers 
wanted, you know, they wanted a a a, a, a part-time legislature, basically, right? Right. What would happen if you mandated that every congressman, every congresswoman, every senator had to have a job? And the job couldn't be being a lawyer or like you could be a small town lawyer, but you couldn't be some lobbyist. You had to be like a like the guy at the funeral parlor (laughs) or like, you know, somebody who needs regular people. I wonder, like, honestly, if you did that instead of term limits. Right. If you just made it to where I want you to. okay, Mitch McConnell, I want you to go home to Kentucky and run your candy store. I want you to buy a candy store, and for a certain period of time in the year, I want you to run your candy store. Right. So right. you're standing on, you're standing in Main Street, Lexington, and you're selling candy to people. That's what I want. <laughs> Go do that. I I I like the idea, <laughs> and I. <laughs> But it's just yeah. like, you know, who, who's going to go to Mitch McConnell's candy store? You know, like either people oh. that hate him or people that oh. love him. And oh. it's going to be a shit show every day. That's why term limits. Maybe no. the maybe the nurse that works at the local hospital can run for something if well, there's Mitch, more term limits involved. You know, you get yeah. more normal people out because there's more turnover. You know, I mean, well, look, look how long it, it takes to replace a head of anything anymore. It's well, you know, Mitch McConnell is a bad example. Let's let's go with okay, someone likable. Well, let's go with replacement level Congressman X to to use a sports term, right? So you know, yeah. the nondescript Congressman that probably won't, because most Congress people don't serve multiple terms, right? So, right. I'm just saying, I just, no. just, that just I, I, I think that's a good now. idea. Drop them in the real world a little bit. It it grounds people. You know, it keeps yeah. them more on the pulse of the right. nation that they're making choices for. I think, yeah, yeah, I absolutely think that's a good idea. But make it so they're not a lobbyist or whatever. Make them be like a, okay, if you want to be a business, okay, if you're pro-business, fine. Go go run a candy store. Make go them a- work for somebody else. Well, I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even go that far. Because who would want Mitch McConnell as an employee? But just, Somebody would. <laughs> well, you know, there are plenty of people that would argue Mitch McConnell is an employee. He's an employee of he's our employee. Big whatever, you know, big oil, oh, big this, big right, that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Everyone should have to work at like like they should have to move around in their job, like they have to work at like do a six month rotation at the local McDonalds in their in the yeah. capital of their state, you know what I mean? I think it's the, I think it's New York. There's a state I can't remember the state. There's a state that mandates that you have a job to be in the legislature. Oh, that state. Cool. No, that like that'd, they, be, that'd be cool. Give them experience in all these different fields that maybe they they're blind yeah. to. That'd yeah, be, I like because that. Because I read this I read this article about this guy about this legislator that had. I don't know. He had some job. I forget. Some restaurant job. I don't remember. But he owned a restaurant or whatever it was. But it was a restaurant. But he said, like, I used to think X about this, right, about this thing. And now I think Y because I run a restaurant and I see how it is. Like, I see 
you know, when you do this to that, you're going to create this problem. Right. I, I, I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, no. Just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's a good, it's a good, I, I haven't, I haven't thought about minimal dropping. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Well, our founding fathers meant, meant these people to go back and be farmers or whatever. So what is that? George Washington stepped away from power. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What better reason for term limits? Right. But, but no, but it's, you know, it's important. It's an important lesson, I think, you know, you have to let the, the, let the next generation take over. Eventually you took over from the previous generation and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the cycle of life. Yeah, okay. So what else did you I mean, um so what were your other poverty type um well thoughts? Um I think uh some kind of universal child care yeah would be uh a huge leg up for so many people. Um it would provide a lot of jobs. There are already a lot of people that work in child care. Um, so what if you, and I hate that it has to be the government to buy it out because I understand the government can't do everything right, but I don't have a better entity to put it on. So, um, that's where I'm going to go with it. But yeah, but yeah, some kind of universal childcare, you know? Um, I mean, you know, again, like I used earlier, uh, you know, a parent with four kids and they're the only provider, they could go to work and better their life. Um, I mean, I remember um, working with a family, and at one point, the mother called me and asked me to take away her children because her electric was off, and the only place they had to live had roaches in it, and it was infested. And she's like, I can sleep here, but, you know, I can't let my kids sleep here. And I mean, talked about how she was stayed up all night swatting roaches off her kids so they could sleep. Like, there are bad, bad conditions out there that kids live, which is why it's just so important that, um, like, I feel so bad with the pandemic at all. I mean, a lot of these kids, I'm sure the foster care numbers are going to be way down in 2020 because, you know, the school system doesn't have eyes on them or, you know, they're not as seen. um, Well, well, they're they're undernourished, you know, I mean, like, sometimes school is their only meal and... Mm. uh, Oh man, I mean, just the, like we have to make changes in this country as adults. We have to stop fighting with each other, and we have to do what's right by the kids at some point or another. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think ninety percent of most people, maybe not ninety, maybe eighty-five, whatever, would would agree to that. You know, as long as you want to live in a society, because yeah. one thing I've run into being a podcaster is I've run into people that honestly don't want to live, really honestly don't actually want to live in a society. They just basically want to be left alone. Right. And, okay, fine. Um, but that's not the world. You know, that's not no, society. No, that's not, not like we're all in this together. Like yeah. we all... All, most of us all have to go to Walmart at some point or another, you know? <laughs> like tomorrow, um, I'm going to have a podcast with a young lady in Venezuela. And we talk 
you know, regularly via via signal or whatever. Yeah. I mean, being a podcaster really shows me how small the world is. And so, you know, Indiana is a heck of a lot closer to me than Venezuela. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, can, you can go. I mean, you can do this all over the world and get all these different experiences. And honestly, like, see what it's like know. to be people. No, I, I I do, and that's why I like it so much. Yeah, that's it's really cool. No, it is, and I'm humbled. I'm deeply humbled. Um, it's just, but uh, you know, I, I've heard, and because I've heard so many people, I've become into the I've come into the idea that you really can't get government to do this because you're going to have people, you know, you might want to, I might want to, whatever, but you're going to have people that are going to turn up to the ballot box and say, no, 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 I don't want my tax dollars to go to that. So we have to think of other ways. I I have an answer for how we can try to pay for some of this. Okay. I'd love to hear it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I think yeah. that by changing our healthcare system to a more preventative one, as opposed to a treatment-based reactionary one, we can save money that we can yeah. then pump back into our schools. Yeah. Because um, right now it's way, way cheaper to prevent something than it is to treat it. Um, like thing about diabetics you know i know there's been a lot of uh, the cost of insulin has been in the news lately what if we at least type 2 diabetics um mm-hmm. that's a preventable disease for the most part some people you know it's going to happen yeah. you can't stop that you know yes you yeah. can't use always but um, we can prevent that or obesity you know that has all these other problems you know heart yeah. disease i mean it's uh i mean insurance skyrockets if you've had a heart attack if you have to carry nitrous on you like um, yeah, you know, just taking the burden off, uh, just, you know, even regular people's insurance payments and regular people's things, even living in the system that we're currently in. Um, so we could save a lot yeah. of money yeah. if we switch to a system like that and, and we could put it back into places that matter. Um, that, you know, you know, people pay their fair share, you know, that's, that should be important too. Um, just like I know Amazon didn't pay taxes, you know, things like that. Right. Well, Bezos didn't, I think Amazon might've, but well, then Bezos, Bezos didn't pay taxes. Yeah, it's got enough money to pay taxes. Right. I mean, look, I'm I'm all for that, but I'm just saying there's this other group of people that you have to that you have to account for. Um, the thing that I had a I had a a roommate of mine who was from uh, Scandinavia somewhere, and he said he looked at the sidewalks and he said the sidewalks don't go anywhere. I said, what do you mean? He said, back home, the sidewalks are all straight. They're they're huge. And they go places. Like, they're straight, they're big, and they go places. Like, you, you can get on a sidewalk and walk around. And a lot of times when you're in the suburbs, they don't really go anywhere. No. And the they thing just I'm... They line streets. Yeah. And the thing I'm thinking is, maybe if you made the sidewalks that could... If we changed our housing codes and you made it to where places are more walkable, maybe you could prevent that diabetes and that heart attack and that this and that that and the you know blah 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 blah. 
you oh, know definitely yeah oh yeah better city planning more like friendly walking accessible um yeah. i mean the, where i live is not very walking accessible they've done a lot lately downtown really good job about bringing some things up and making it more walking friendly um in those areas but um for the right. most part it's horribly unwalkable and um it sucks you have to drive everywhere right you know i mean that's just a thought i mean we could even just start there definitely and that's such a small change like who would argue about that like man i just want better sidewalks dog like that's all i want you know you would be surprised i mean i there's a guest that i want on my podcast who is a friend of mine who will not come on um but you would be surprised how people yelling about sidewalks. <laughs> you, it, it's really shocking, honestly. <laughs> I, it, it takes people of all kinds. It really does. I mean, <laughs> but you, like, know? you know, maybe not, maybe not anti-sidewalk people. I don't know. That's that might be their own breed, but. Well, I mean, but they're anti-sidewalk for a reason. It's like right. not. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, there's reasons, but it's like, and and that gets back to the whole like, politics is about solving problems, right? Which problem do you want to solve, right? By solving X, you're going to create Y. You know, that, that's how it's like. It's whack a mole. You know, definitely, definitely. It's like I guarantee you, if you had subsidized, you know, if you had subsidized. Uh, whatever blah 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 blah, yeah yeah yada okay you'd have free this and free that and free whatever or reduced whatever but you create other problems that we're not thinking about and that's just how it is i i agree i agree <laughs> i i'm i'm also in the boat though and um that i think that sometimes you just want to see some change like something like can we try something <laughs> you know I, I, mean? know, I, I know exactly what you i mean like I know and, exactly what you mean. <laughs> like, can we just try something different? Like, obviously we have a problem right now. What if we just try? I mean, look, companies do it all the time. Like, you trial something in one area of the company, <laughs> trial something in one area of the country. Does it work? Yes. How can we expand this? You know, like yeah. I just, it just seems, it just right. seems so. It's too easy. That's the problem. It just seems too it's, easy. What do well, I? Well, it's I'm also. Just, I'm just here talking. Like. Yeah, it's also, you know, I mean, our founding fathers set this country up to be so the people voting were comfortable. That's what they wanted. They wanted comfortable people voting. Right. Yeah. And the problem. So the one of the reasons I want to have you on is because, you know, things that a lot of people don't know. Like, you know, how many people know, for example, that. If you've ever been homeless, it's basically impossible to get a job. Like, even if you're not homeless right now. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, You know, I mean, how many people know, for example, that there are professors out there that make $1,300 a semester and have to have other jobs just so they can have that job. And their job's so important. Exactly. Or, you know, how many people know that 
I didn't know there were 30. Okay. When I was doing my COVID episodes, right, where I would talk to people about COVID, um, in fact, it, this question that I would always ask people started by accident because people used to tell me that they were, you know, that so-and-so at the deli was missing or so-and-so at the coffee place was missing or, you know, where did my neighbors go or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I had to talk to a, a homelessness lawyer to figure out or to be told that actually there's a homelessness crisis right at that point right then in this country and with there's a lot of there's rent increases now all over the country um as these five over ones i was talking about uh these five over ones have have become untenable to live in um, as a situation um you know right because they're like they're like falling apart no, they are – well, some of them are, but they are because they're too expensive to live in. Oh, okay, because they're trying – I understand that. Back to what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. Right. I got you. But, yeah, um, they're too expensive to live in, so it's becoming untenable. Um, and the thing, the thing I think about that nobody's talked about yet, at least publicly, is we're going to have a commercial real estate crash. In this country. Oh. I'm convinced of it. Do you, do you know? Can you think of why? Because you're younger than me. Let me see if you can think of why. That's a good question. I mean, I was aware that there was a bubble on a crash last time, but I didn't understand anything. I would guess now because um, no one's gonna be able to afford to live anywhere, so we're gonna have all these empty lots and No, do you do you use Discord? Do you uh, game do you game? Um yeah. Do you use Discord for gaming? Uh no. Okay. I'm a PlayStation guy, so I Discord is a it's a chat. I know I know what Discord I I no, I do. I know what it's Discord a, it's is. A, it's a chat situation, but it's a video conferencing situation too. And when people start realizing that there's this existing tool that I can use to just have conferences with as many people as I want, I don't need to go to the office. Right. Commercial real estate. I see. I see. Like, so, yeah, I understand now. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. I think we're going to have a commercial real estate crash. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a buddy who <laughs> yeah. used to go to the office, and he's still not gone back to the office. Yeah. And they're, you know, like, why go back, though, if you can do your job from home? Yeah. Why would, you, why would these companies even, even yeah, pay for the space if they don't need it? Right. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I mean. Maybe, maybe it'll be trendy for, like, startup, like, small little startup things to buy, like, one floor. You know, like each floor of these old, like 10 story uh, AT&T call center places are going to be like their own little indie shop. You know what I mean? <laughs> that might be kind of dope. You paint the outside really cool, you know, like kind of layered yeah. stacked shops. That's how they get their money back. No, like I'm in a cubicle. Ironically, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm a, 
I was in a cubicle when I when I when I did child services. I worked in a cubicle. That's my only cubicle experience. Yeah, it was it yeah. was okay. It was kind of cool to have yeah. people in the cube next to you. You know, you could call cool. people next to you for no reason. Like I get it. Like, but, but I can also <laughs> see how it's soul sucking. I can understand the other side. So I haven't seen Office Space in years, but uh, the the movie I haven't seen the movie Office Space <laughs> in years. But I wonder what that would play like now. <laughs> Oh, it's. I, I'm sure it's still a classic. I'm sure it still resonates just as hard as ever, especially yeah. now that we don't have to go back. I mean, I, I yeah. work in a, the medical field, so I never, I never stopped. Like I never left. But um, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just back. saying. Like. No, and there was, you know, I mean, you think about the stapler and the. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, Ah, uh, you have it. You try to have a serious podcast and you can't. Um, <laughs> darn it! I'm gonna leave this in too. What the hell? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. All right. So that was Andy Orham. He is or was in Child Protective Services in Evansville, Indiana. I'm gonna have a couple more podcasts about poverty and homelessness in the United States of America. I'm going to have at least a couple more. I've got some interviews lined up. Um, I hate to say I'm looking forward to that, but the reality is that in, in this country right now in the United States, we went from a terrible homelessness situation to just an, just an epically awful one. Um, and one of these guests is going to be a, a return guest, basically. And and one of them is going to be a new guy, um, a new person. Um, anyway, yeah, so I just wanted to give you guys and all of you guys something to think about. Um, and also, I wanted to say that this problem of homelessness affects so many people. And... It's not, it's way more diverse than, than anybody who's not aware of the problem and not conversant in the problem. Um, it's way more people than people understand, and it's way more different types of people than people understand. And I feel like because I have a podcast in 2021 and because I have a podcast uh, during this time, I need to cover this. I feel like it's my responsibility almost. Um, I just wanted to throw out the same statistic I always throw out, or lots of times. Before the pandemic, there were, for every person that was homeless, there were 34 vacant structures. And then after the pandemic, of course, there's a lot more than that. Recently, in my actual city of Atlanta, Georgia, roughly one in five people was made, uh, underwent eviction proceedings just in the previous in the first couple of days after the eviction moratorium expired um and this so this is a huge problem and what i want to do with a few episodes on the show is actually put faces to a statistic um anyway so on that note um i'm having a good day and believe it or not I'm having a good day. 
I hope you are too. Alright. So I'll see you guys later. Bye everybody.